Hello, it is Tuesday, September 24th, 2019. I am currently recording these ads from the comfort of my living room. There's some cat piss around my feet. My beautiful dog Valerie laying to my right side. And the insane corgi named Chuck running laps around me. We just got off a plane from New York City. I got a chance to do get up this morning. Well, yesterday morning. Talked a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I always enjoy it, you know, get to talk a little shit. Then we recorded the podcast. And then at the end of the podcast, <clears throat> you're going to hear a hilarious insight into my life right now that is just a nonstop circus of content. I'm having a great time with it. And today's show, just like every other podcast we put out, is brought to you by the greatest sponsor in the history of sponsors, the presenting sponsor of the Pat McAfee Show 2.0 podcast, our beautiful friends at SeatGeek. Yes, SeatGeek scans all the other ticket-buying platforms to make sure you're getting the best bang for your buck, the best tickets available for the best prices available are available for you from our friends at SeatGeek. And right now you use promo code PAT, you get $10 off your first order. Promo code McAfee, $20 off your first order. Wow, wow. So go see a game live. For instance, you should have went to that Tulane-Houston game last Thursday that I got a chance to call down New Orleans. There was a lot of tickets still available. They didn't fill the place up all the way. And it was electric from beginning to end. Hot as balls down New Orleans. Hot as balls. But it would have been a lot of fun. Theater, music, comedy, sports, you name it. SeatGeek's got the tickets for you. Use those two promo codes. We need you to do it. Business uh, purposes. If we want to continue to utilize microphones in studios that are way too big uh, that we should not be in, we need you to use those promo codes. And also, I need you to use those promo codes so you can live a little bit. You're alive, but are you living? Go live and experience something live with our friends at SeatGeek. Speaking of friends, I think we made a new one today. Damn slapdick in here. I I saw you in cut-off sleeves on another podcast. (laughs) You caught me on a day I had to go on ESPN, man. Oh, Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, That's Okay. Yeah, Disney, they fucking, you know. (laughs) I walked in there one day in jorts and like a button down. Yeah. And they let me on the air. And then as I was walking out, like 10 people stopped me. They're like, hey, maybe uh, next time we, uh, blah, blah, blah. Oh. maybe next time we, uh, blah, blah, blah. oh, we like what you're, but maybe next, a lot of maybe next time, maybe next time. Yeah, the is, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. maybe means definitely. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we were talking. Uh, we were all talking back here. We think you should put some fucking pants yeah. on the next yeah. time you come in here. Uh, Robert Iger and Disney run this place, not whatever slapdick operation you're used to. You know, what's funny is I watched, I just, you know, just wanted to see the layout of your show. And I saw you interview Francesa. And you had like a tank top on, and I'm like, oh, dude, I'm great in a t-shirt. I'm like a t-shirt. I'm overdressed. This guy's got a tank. I just got cut off sleeves talking to Francesa. I thought, I know yeah. that was. Hey, I love Francesa, dude. He's hey. number one. I had no idea who the hell he was. He's number one. He's the best. I've been listening to him since like 03, 02. Are we recording? Yes, sir. Oh, okay, good. We're recording. Good. Yeah, Francesa. I had no idea who the hell he was until I just learned about him on the internet. The at back after this, mm-hmm. the Funhouse account that tweets out. The, they steal the videos from his app that he charges people for, and they tweet it out. And his videos just started showing up in my timeline. I'm like, I love this fucking guy. And everybody's like, he's the guy. That's no, he's the sports the guy. Pope. Yeah, he's he's the guy. 
Like, he's right a lot. And, like, w- the knock on him is, like, he'll cut people off. It is funny, though, because, like, he, sometimes he can be brutal. Where a guy will be like, you know, I'll tell you something. This guy at bat, he's you're an idiot. Cut him off. <laughs> and like, the guy didn't even say anything yet. And I'm in the car going, Mike, you got to let the guy finish the point. <laughs> like, like, if he loves the second baseman, as soon as he hears that, he, the guy's out. Well, I mean, yeah. I enjoy what he did to Shermer last week, and Shermer has cut off completely any future Francesa. Uh, did he? Uh, yeah, he said mm-hmm. he would never go back on because he said, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, okay, your, uh, your team stinks. I mean, you guys, yeah. you guys are I terrible. mean, the defense is just, <laughs> yeah. Joining us okay. now, uh, you hear his voice. Ty Schmidt is here. Foxy and Zito are back in the control room. We're recording this live from 4 World Trade, which is still insane to me. We are 50 floors above Earth. Just staring down at buildings. It's a pretty cool little thing if you're watching a video at home. If not, we are being joined by a hilarious individual. A man whose first uh, album came out in 2015. Yes. Called Night at the Stand. Night at the Stand. It was number one on iTunes uh, for a bit. Yep, and then I think four on Billboard. I was really excited about it. Yeah, you should have been. Yeah, it was. It was. It was a lot of work traveling to get it done, and it was. It worked out great. Stand-up comedian, big-time New Yorker, Giants fan. Yes. Yes. Uh, through and through. Giants fan. Yeah, Giants, Yankees, Knicks. And Let's now go. his special is currently streaming through Comedy Central. That's right. Bill Burr presents. Paul Verzi, I'll say this. And ladies and gentlemen, he's saying that. Paul Verzi is here with us. Oh, Let's thank, go, thank Paul. Thank you. Thanks for having me, buddy. No, oh, your guest hosting. I'm very thankful that you came through. We've been trying to make this happen for a couple weeks now. My people have. I don't know about your people. Um, <laughs> I enjoy stand-up comedians, especially ones that are into sports. Not all stand-up comedians are into sports. That's true. Uh, is sports make a play in your stand-up routines? Do you reference it a lot? Early. Early a lot. Like, during my, like, right around probably the material I was doing right before I did uh, Night at the Stand, I talk about sports. I talk about, you know, I, I used to joke about gambling on sports and all kinds of stuff like that. So, but I'm a big football guy. Just everything except really, and, and I, I know people get mad when I say this, but everything but hockey. Just not uh, hockey, man. I'm I don't a big know, Penguins fan. I don't know why. Yeah, but see, I have friends that are from Boston and Pittsburgh that are big, but in New York, it's like I think at the time I was coming up, the, everybody the, sucked. It was the Knicks. Well, actually, the Rangers won in 94. But the Knicks were like going uh, to the finals or the Eastern Conference Finals against yep, the Bulls. Yep. You know, the the Yankees started to turn a corner. So, and I was young, so that's what it was. You know. Well, that's why I hate baseball, though, because the Pirates. Whenever I was growing up, they were in the middle of a twenty year suck fest. Literally yeah. a twenty year suck fest. And in Pittsburgh, the Steelers are winning and the Penguins are winning. So that other team, if you suck, it's hard for me to really want to want you to do well. So I'm against baseball for that reason. Are you from Pittsburgh? Yeah. Oh, okay. I was just there. Love it. Underrated. Underrated. Under one of the most underrated cities in the United States. I'm not just saying that. I actually said that the other day. I mean, the one thing that's a little overrated, though. Easy. It, no, no. The Permanis thing is like a loaf of bread with french fries in the middle of it. Like, I was... Can I say I had to shit for five... Can I say that on this Oh, one? yeah. Oh, no, yeah. You, can, you can say shit for five days, yeah, but you cannot <laughs> say what you just said about Permanis like love that. Perma- I love Permanis. No, you, I went, you just said it was the most overrated thing you've ever heard. I, I ate it at 3 o'clock in the morning. It yeah. was all bread. Yeah. It well, was it was all bread, man. Like it was big bread and then French fries, and while you're eating it, it's the greatest idea ever. Yeah, it's like three day, o'clock though. in the morning. We did two shows. Yeah. Everything was good. And then next day, I'm going. Why did I do yeah. that? Why did I go there? Yeah, a lot of regret in that Permani sandwich there. Yeah, but I love the city. I love the uh, PNC Park. I think it's the nicest baseball field in in Major League Baseball. Incredible field, incredible park, terrible baseball team. The thing about Pittsburgh is they like to drink. Okay. Yeah. They are a work hard, play hard town. They're supposed to be a tax on alcohol they put in, and Allegheny County is the county that Pittsburgh is in. An Allegheny County alcohol tax was put in. 
and they expected like a certain amount of money. Yeah. They brought in like seven million dollars, and they're like, "Well, we got a fucking alcohol problem, and now we have a lot of money all of a yeah. sudden out of nowhere." Pittsburgh is a good town, good people, really good people. Uh, yeah, I, I I had a great time, good comedy crowd. I did six hours of stand up. I did six shows at the the new improv there. Well, they yeah. renovated the improv. Yep. So they did, and I and like, there's like no heckling. It's like almost to the point where I was like, "Do you guys, you guys, this good?" Like, I was like waiting for like one of you guys has to be drunk. Like, like, can somebody yell something? They were just like into it, great, respectful. Like, thanks for coming to our city. I loved it. How long have you been doing stand up? Uh, professionally for like 15, 16 years. Professionally, I started. You know, it's hard in New York to to get up a lot when you first start. You know, you have like no material and no clubs going to put you on. So I was doing contests. I was doing like the urban circuit, like anywhere I can. Like, hey, I'll let me try, you know. And then it just started to build that. Why'd way. you get into it? Are you the funny guy, your friends? Well, you know what? I just, I was like Eddie Murphy, man. Eddie Murphy as a kid, 10 years old, my father took me to the movie theater to see Raw, mm. and I was just locked. And that's when, you know, Beverly Hills Cop and 48 yep. Hours. So, like, Eddie was like a rock star. And just watching Raw, how, like, it was like, oh, this isn't just comedy. This is, like, just a whole thing. And I would do Eddie Murphy impressions, and people would be like, this guy could tell stories. This guy's funny. So, And then I just did my first open mic at 21, and it didn't go great, so I rescheduled it to have something a little more planned. Because I thought the first time I was going to be, I like, I didn't even have anything written. I was like, ah, let me, I'll just oh, wing it. Oh, spitball it up, bro. And it was terrible. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, the cigarette pack says may cause cancer. It does cause cancer. It was like, there was no, there was no joke. <laughs> it was just the dumbest shit to say. And then the next week I was, I felt bad because I was like, I could do better than that. So I said to the guy, like, he signed up for every Tuesday. And I said, sign me up for next Tuesday. And I wrote in my room all week, like six minutes, wrote it out. And, and I had some friends come and it had, it had its own bar crowd and it went well. And then I just started Calling, like cold calling New York City clubs, being like, "Can I get on your new talent night?" You know. Yeah, because there's people. Gary Goldman is a guy that I've got a chance to follow along. He won't follow me back, which I appreciate and respect. <laughs> I mean, he's too smart of a man to do that. But I've met him in person a few times. I've got a chance to watch him perform, and to think about how he operates there in New York. There's so many comedy places. Guys are doing like. 15 sets a week, like it just powering through them. Like, all right, go, you do one set here, you walk down the street, you do a set here at this time, then you go here, here, here. And the comedy scene in New York is a real one. Now. You can get, yeah, like you can get up a lot. Like you can do, um, like the comedy cellar has three locations. So you can just literally go, like, I've done one, walked around the corner, done another. And then if you got to drive out and do something like that. That's awesome. That yeah. is awesome. Yeah. When did you know you had something? Like, are you, like a year in, you're like, you know what, I, I don't suck at this. I, I started to realize that everybody sucked at that level, but I was one of the better one. I was one of the better bad ones. Yeah. Like, that's, so, hey, that feels good. So it's like as long as like you're at the if you're at the top of of your your class coming up of sucking, and then you're like, <laughs> oh well, you know, and then and then it just I always wanted to be one of the top guys of the group that was coming up, and I started to feel that happening, and I started to feel that with the response from the audience, and I was like, all right, maybe you know, and then people coming up going, hey man, I really thought you were one of the, and I was like, oh man, maybe it went from something to try to like maybe I could do this to then I think I could get good at this, and then it was like this just blinders on. This is my this I'm doing it. Good for you. My that, dream, man. Not a lot of people find that in their life. There's a lot of people still searching for that in their 50s, 60s. You're 100. I'm glad I was in my early 20s, but I I heard that you do stand up. I did. I retired. You, you're done. I'm taking a hiatus, and it's because you're one of your fucking friends. <laughs> Who's that? Well. I watched Chappelle's special on Netflix. Yeah. And I watched it through, 
and I said, I should probably never do stand up again. <laughs> and then I watched Paper Tiger. Yeah. And I was like, that Yep, is... I should never fucking be stand up. <laughs> that is that is that is Bill's the reason. Yeah, yeah. Bill is <laughs> Bill was the tip of the iceberg because I mean just watching a like yourself, like a, a master comedian put together a, a, a set is something that I would just go up there and spitball for 90 minutes. I would just go up there and bullshit for 90 minutes, tell a bunch of stories, a couple callbacks, keep it moving. But just to be a master of your craft, uh, I, I had a real self-awareness moment where I was like, you know what? Uh, if people can pay and see that show or they can pay and see my show, I should probably take a fucking hike for a while. <laughs> but so you were, you're a professional football player, so imagine the time that you put into that and the time you, you, you put into kicking. Imagine if you did that with st- – it's the same thing. It would be like if all of a I sudden agree. I went to a punting – you know what I mean? It would- <laughs> Well, that's, I know. Well, that's exactly what I'm saying. Is yeah. I would be like, hey, get the fuck off the field. <laughs> yeah, Paul, that went 15 yards yeah. the wrong way. Just get out. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it was real though. I watched that Paper Tiger, and I was like, holy shit! But you put together that Paper Tiger and Chappelle special. Yeah, back to back was legendary. Yeah. It really was. And as a guy who's inside the comedy world, in listening to their sets. It felt like there was a real moment where those two comedians who are at the top of the craft, right? Yeah. Uh, white guy, black guy. So representing literally the top of the class here for everybody. Yep. It felt like they felt like they had to do comedy of justice. Like, hey, we got to really take... Because comedy was starting to get attacked. Yeah. Every joke was getting overthought. Yep. Oh, well, why do you think that? Well, yeah, it's a I fucking know. joke. Like, just take it easy. It seems like Bill and Dave had a conversation, like, maybe in a, a comedy store in L.A. late night backstage, back in the back. They were like, hey, we got to do this or nobody else will. Do you feel the same I, way? I, I couldn't agree with you more, and I think comedy needed it. And I was actually just talking to, to the great Michael O'Brien over there about... Uh, yeah, who is he? He's uh, a tall, skinny guy. He's, oh, been he's, walking- he's, a, he's, like the, he's a great... He's a great friend. He's a publicist. He's the best. But we were just... Good t- guy. Very good guy. Great tall, guy. Tall and skinny, though. Very very tall and skinny. All right, you don't have to rub it in. I know I'm 5'8". Relax. Yeah, next to you, next to you, it was quite a... Uh, you, yeah, you kept emphasizing the tall. Really tall. He's really tall, unlike you. Really tall. You didn't deserve um, that, The Paul. nice tall guy. No. I, I but me, me and um, Michael were talking about, like, I, and I said this, uh, and I hate to say this about my home city, but I feel like New York crowds have gotten, have changed a little bit for the worse, where, like, you'll be on stage sometimes at one of these clubs, and not all... And, and it's still, listen, New York stand-up is still incredibly great crowds and smart, but you can feel, when you say certain things in certain rooms, you could feel this, oh. well, where is he, you know, like, like I'm not, I won't get into the joke, but I'm, I'm doing this bit. Oh, uh, please I'm, do, bury no, this I'm, podcast. I'm just, I'm just uh, <laughs> doing this um, bit about the WNBA, and I was just talking about how it just, it doesn't entertain me, but this woman, she just, she just crossed her arms, and she's just looking at me, and she's shaking her head, and I was saying, like, this woman doesn't know that I have a little girl that mm-hmm. I want to have to play sports and equal pay and equal rights. She just looked at me as a misogynist and it's like, no, I just don't like the WM because it sucks. It's just not entertaining. <laughs> it's, just not, it's, just, it's just not entertaining. You're not allowed to think that. But though. it has nothing to do with women. It has to do with it doesn't entertain me because I, you know, so, and, and that's the thing and people like, they want to hear the explanation so, but you know what, you do adjust to it um, but Bill and and Chappelle, what they did was they let it, people know, like, you're in a comedy club. You're in a comedy club. So if there was ever a time to just put it all down, let the guard, and just just have a couple of drinks, enjoy the silliness, enjoy the thing, and, and it was really needed. So I think it came at a really perfect time. Hello, we interrupt your currently scheduled program to let you know a horrifying fact. 
On average, a burglary happens once every 23 seconds in the United States of America. That little piece of information comes from the FBI. I assume it's real and it scares the hell out of me. Approximately 2 million burglaries are reported a year in the United States of America. 83% of burglars admitted that they specifically look to see if there's an alarm system. Hmm? These burglars uh, do terrible things, but 83% of them at least check out if they're going to get fucking busted or not. 20 out of every 1,000 households were burglarized in 2017. These are some alarming stats. But what's crazy is that only one in five homes have home security. Maybe because companies really don't make it easy. They make it difficult to sign up, to find your security cameras. You got to go through a bunch of hell. To turn it on, it's a pain in the ass. To turn it off, it's a pain in the ass. There's false alarms all the damn time. But not with our friends at Simply Safe. Round the clock, 24-7, video monitoring of everything you could possibly need. It's won a ton of awards from CNET to New York Times wire cutter. Prices are always fair and honest. Around the clock monitoring is just $15 a month. Simply Safe protects every door, window, and room all day, all night. But one thing that truly makes Simply Safe stand out is their video verification technology. When other home security systems are triggered, a lot of the time police assume it's a false alarm. And the call goes right to the bottom of the list. But now with Simply Safe, no way. Using their video verification technology, they are able to visually confirm that the break-in is happening, allowing police to get to the scene 3.5 times faster than other home security companies. Right now, listeners of this show, Simply Safe has a huge deal going on. Go to simplysafe.com slash McAfee and get free shipping and a money-back guarantee. That's simplysafe.com slash McAfee today. Simplysafe.com slash McAfee. I use Simply Safe at the house. I use it at the office. I'm a big fan of it. Every once in a while, it'll catch a hilarious moment. Like whenever this dog Chuck just decides to shit on the floor. Simply Safe will also do that for you too. Things to think about. $15 a month for some comfort and security. SimplySafe.com slash McAfee. S-I-M-P-L-I-S-A-F-E dot com forward slash M-C-A-F-E-E. Back to the combo. I think it was, and it was met with some harsh criticism. For Bo- sure. Yeah, both of them were met with some harsh criticism. Always going to be. By the people, by the way, that none of us would ever want to hang out with, right? Never, yeah. ever would want to hang out with any of those humans. Just no. leave us the fuck alone anyways. But they yeah. they can change some things, and I'm happy that Dave and Bill kind of stepped up for that. Well, that, that's actually a really smart thing you said, because I remember Rest His Soul, Patrice O'Neill would say, you know, when people would walk out, right? I remember opening for Patrice, one of the greats, and people would walk out. And then their mentality is they were never going to be my fan anyway. If you're going to if you're going to listen if you're going to come to my show and listen to me say something and then get up and leave, you were never going to come to my theater show when never. I grew. You were never going to you were yeah, never going to buy anything. You were never you you were going to hear that somewhere else and get up and leave. So as a matter of fact, it's better to weed them out. Yeah. Yes. Get yep. out. Because that, I just want to fill that seat with somebody that wants to hear somebody be honest and real and not get offended. And that's the same thing with people online who, uh, now granted, I don't want to say cyberbullying is overrated, 
But it really is. Like, who gives a fuck what somebody on the internet has to say? That person probably would never be a friend of mine anyways. And I, by the way, yeah. I'd probably hate them too. If they hate me, I'd probably hate them too. Let's keep it moving. But it seems like we're kind of turning the tide on all these things. I hope so. I think we're kind of turning back. I hope so. I don't, I don't know, you know, but I, I stay away. Another thing we were talking about before the show is like, I got to just, you say something on Twitter and people don't understand. Oh, you said some awesome shit on Twitter, by the way. Hold oh. on. <laughs> I, was, I was looking into your Twitter there because uh, you were coming on the show. Your last tweet is one that I think resonates with a lot of people that listen to this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was okay. last night. When will actors and actresses realize that their political speeches at award shows will never change anything or make a difference? Shut up and say thank you and leave. And yeah. it's such a hilarious thought. Because yeah. every time somebody wins an award, hey, you read these lines better than everybody else read their lines this year. Congratulations. Right. Here's your moment to do whatever you want to do. By the way, right. I look at it as an entertainment show, so I think you should be entertaining. I told my lady this last night while we were watching it a little bit during the um, Browns-Rams game. I said, I don't want to let you know, I ever win an award, like it's going to be an entertaining fucking speech. Like, I don't know what to tell you. I'm not going to sit here and just thank everybody. I'm going to put on, like, probably, right. it's going to be a minute-long bit, probably, if I had to guess. Yeah. And my lady's like, I would like to be thanked. I was like, well, I'll say thanks to all the people that are supposed <laughs> to be thanked. That involves you there yeah. at the beginning. She's like, no, I want a single shout-out. I'm like, well, we'll see if that ever happens. But nobody ever utilizes that for entertainment. Instead, exactly what you said, yeah. it's all about let's change the world on this minute thing. And it's like, it, when there's 45 of the let's change the world, yours, yours kind of gets caught up in the that, mess. See that, And that's what I said. And people will look at that and go, well, what? Is he not for what that person said? It's not about no, no. that. See, that's the thing. It's not about that. And, and unfortunately, you have to today you have to explain that. And people that really know me know that, of course, I'm for. I'm for, like, I'm just saying when yeah, the Yeah, we want to make the world a better place. Of obviously. course you want the world to be better better place and of course if it's your moment but when it just keeps getting oh, redundant and it's on. and it's the same thing you know like i remember years ago the beastie boys they said something they said something and i remember going whether people believe that or not at least they are talking about something different like it was like an issue going on at the time yeah. and they talk this just seems like it's like you know my parents came here from and it was just as like what like, I, I, you know, and then oh, I'm what? like, yeah, like I'm going back to the Browns game. <laughs> yeah, well, and that game stunk, yeah, by the did. way. And I know, yeah. f- I know for me, it's like, it, it did. It was yeah, terrible. That was a tough game to watch. But it's like, it, any ordinary American, it's impossible to take any, like, account of that because it's like, this person's an elitist. They, they're in a better position than anyone else, you know, and watching it. It's like, how can you fucking take anything they're saying seriously? Like, it's it just, it, it, you know, they're not talking to you. When you're hopping on a G5 exactly. with champagne <laughs> after you got an Emmy. Yeah. Just, yeah, yeah, you're hopping on a G5 with an Emmy and there's champagne like at a red carpet of the steps of the jet you're about to get on. Okay, like, I, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a little much. It's yeah. just a little much. and But people will take, and, and that's what sucks is people will go on and go, oh, so I guess when that second guy spoke, you're not for, and I'm like, no, it actually has it has nothing to do with that. And you got to you gotta watch, man, because people will come at you, man. You can't win with everybody. That's just the world. You're never going to win with everybody. And if you do win with everybody, you're doing something wrong. Hey, if you stand for nothing, you fall for anything. <laughs> people forget, Paul. I love how you started that like Russell Crowe. <laughs> Gladiator. Hey, hey, you just stared at me. <laughs> I just want to let you know I had a very deep thought coming. I just want to let you know that it was a little bit of a curveball coming. <laughs> I was coming. waiting for you to rip the shirt off with a metal chest guard. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're a big-time Giants fan. Big time. This past weekend, oh. 
Oh, Danny da- Dimes. Oh, Danny Dimes yeah. swept the world, okay? Oh, my God. A couple years ago, Eli Manning got benched for Geno Smith, a guy who had been punched out by a linebacker in another locker room. The entire yeah. Giants fan base was up in arms. Why are we disrespecting Eli like that? This guy traded himself from the Chargers to come here, won a Super Bowls. He doesn't deserve it. Now, with Danny Dimes, yeah. it feels like it's a completely different narrative. And also, Eli— now you're like, ship him out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to see number 10 on the side. Lines. Get a bus. No, but it yeah. does feel as this is a very different world now that we live in because of the success that Daniel Jones had. If he loses that game, which Matt Gay was a 34-yard field goal away from that happening to Danny Dimes, do you think yeah. there's a different narrative today if that ball goes through the upright? I think the excitement in New York City and I think like the Post and the Daily News and all that stuff would still be like, you know, we the, got future, the future looks good, you know, because he really didn't make mistakes. He threw what he three three thirty-six, two touchdowns, ran for two, and to have and the thing that people saw as a New York Giants fan was Eli doesn't have the speed to score there. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yep. you know he he you know he's running like he's got leg weights on, right? <laughs> so by the time he gets to the ten, he's gonna get killed. By the time he gets to the ten, it's like quicksand, and you know it's not where where um, Jones just saw. Jones just was like, oh, nobody's here, and he runs it up, and you're like, oh my god. So I think even if the kicker makes that gay, if he if he makes that 34 yarder, and we lose a heartbreak like that, it's still positive. But now the fact that we won, it's like the save. Like the savior, but they got to be careful with that because the defense stinks. 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 The defense stinks, and like stinks. it doesn't matter who's playing quarterback. You know that that was the one thing about Eli. I know that Eli couldn't do these things, but you know, sitting now Saquon's out. It's going to be tough. I mean, the Giants, but we got the Redskins next week. We might go two and two. Hey, we might go two and two. Redskins bad at football too. Yeah, that's good news yeah. for you Giants guys. <laughs> Were you a fan of the uh, the pick initially when they drafted? No him? way, Paul. No, I, I listen. I, I'm on record on my podcast. I got I got evidence, guys. I got evidence. Okay. I said this, the Giants go all in on six. You got to like that from an organization to go, look, they probably sat down with him and go, listen, you're our guy. And we're not going to let you fall down to 17. You're our guy. So for that thing, I liked him. I, you know, I was a little worried he's coming from Duke. It's not a big program. They sucked. Y- you yeah. know, yeah. But he's also playing with Duke guys. Right. That doesn't him. get talked about enough. I saw him. So my birthday is Veterans Day, right? November 11th is my birthday. Two years ago, we go to Army. We go to West Point. It's not far. And we go watch Army play Duke. And I swear to God, this defensive end came around on Army. And when I tell you I thought Daniel Jones, like a cartoon, was embedded in the ground, I go, this kid stinks. I go, this guy sucks. He's just a slow, white shithead. That's what I thought. Are you on record saying that, too? (laughs) Just so we know. Just so we know. I go, this guy is just, and and then all of a sudden the next year, he had a good year. And I'm going, wait, is that the number 17 we saw get slaughtered at the, and, but when they went in on him and they were like, listen, every time he's improved, he's super smart. He's like Eli, but more athletic. I was like, you know what? I respect an organization for going all in on a guy that they were like, this is either going to be a disaster or we're going to look great. But at least they went in. The entire world buried Daniel Jones. And this is my thought. It wasn't just Giants fans that said, this guy, this is a terrible pick. It wasn't just Giants sports talk radio show hosts like Francesa who won in very hard against the pick because he felt like with Eli, he could still play winning football. Let's draft a piece around him to at least give him a chance. But for me, I think what happened to Daniel Jones when everybody buried him. Yeah. 
anybody that had a platform that probably shouldn't have a platform to display their opinions went after Daniel Jones. It was literally the mockery of the draft was how bad of a pick the yeah. Giants had. They booed Daniel Jones at Yankee Stadium. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think about how that's got to feel. Like he's at a Yankee game. Like he just moved here. <laughs> hey, I, I just wanted to watch a fucking game. <laughs> Can I get a hot dog? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> I just want a ballpark Frank and a, and a cold one. And all of a sudden, no, I'm, I didn't ask to be on the fucking jumbo drone. Like bumping him over urinals, like. <laughs> Asshole. I got a piss worse than you do. He's like, what? Well, what'd you go, Duke? Yeah, that's what I thought. No, but everybody, and I think yeah. that hardened him, right? So I told this story on my radio show. When I got arrested for public intoxication, nobody knew that I was even on the Colts. It was my second year. Hunter Smith was there for 10 years. Nobody even had a clue that I was the punter for the team. But as soon as I got arrested for that, my mugshot didn't look great. I mean, it was a, it was, it was a tough mugshot. I mean, public intoxication. It's, it, that's what's going to happen. I was well, nobody's going to look at a mugshot and be like, did you get new headshots? <laughs> it was my only professional shot I'd ever got in my life up to that point. Uh, look at the star, please. Look at the star. Am I supposed to smile? Don't smile on my God, kids are going to see this. It was an awkward shot. Yeah. Right? I was wearing some murderer shirt because they gave me clothes because I showed up shirtless, obviously. Uh, and they just said, uh, what size are you? I was like, XL. They were like, what size pants? I was like, 38. They're like, don't know if we have 38. So let's dig deep into the murderer's pile here. <laughs> so they were just giving me somebody's clothes, right? When people check wow. into jail, I guess they never come out. They just give their clothes to other people. So I had these FUBU pants on wow. and I had this dark gray shirt. It, it looked bad, right? Yeah. But that was my introduction to a lot of people to earth and I got buried by everybody I'm talking late night show hosts were using me as a punchline like oh the punter did this 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 really everybody in town was mocking me the news was alright we are live from the scene of the crime it is alleged that he went into the canal right here yeah. but the whole thing I got wow. buried 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 and I got to a point where I was like very depressed you know I was like holy shit like I really embarrassed everybody but then once I got past that and my mom was like eh, who gives a fuck man? you've uh, been drunker than this before I mean this is not the worst thing oh it's, my god that's such a great mom <laughs> Good to be lady. like you think you're a piece of shit over that remember ninth grade <laughs> you, remember, you remember when you pissed in our hallway you, you remember that off of what, what was it Mike's hard lemonades no but once I got past that I realized you wiped your ass with the dog <laughs> once I got past that uh, I, I got like hardened by it all I was like man none of these people have any idea who I am exactly. none of these people have any clue who I am and they're just burying me for one night of my life which they don't even know the other 10 nights that could potentially be worse than this but they're just burying me burying me I got to a point where I didn't give a fuck anymore I was like I don't care what anybody thinks and yeah. to be honest it made me who I am I think Daniel Jones is experiencing that same thing where he doesn't give a fuck anymore because you look at that throw where he put it in the corner of Sterling Shepard there was, was an e there was an easy ball he could have thrown too but whenever you finally have that moment where you're like yeah. I, don't, I don't give a fuck you can he throw it's like a freeing feeling and I feel like Daniel Jones is experiencing that much like I did I think not only are you right Thank but I'm going to take it a step further. Let's go. I think Aaron Rodgers waiting in that green room in that draft yep. day yeah. to chip on the shoulder. Yep. You know, I think Tom Brady going for a walk with his dad on day three going, I might not get in the league. Yeah. You know, when you saw Tom Brady's body. He it's looked a like, story, you know, right? You know, yeah. You know, he didn't look like some big, he just was a guy, he didn't even play a lot. In and he's just like, you know He what? looked bad in that photo. And then photo. you get in a game, and I even think it's better when you're a backup and they don't expect. And then you're like, you know what? Every, this is house money. Yep. This is gravy now. Yep. Everybody thinks I'm the worst draft pick in the history of drafts. Now it's time for me to just go ball out against an average Buccaneer team, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. Still, without Saquon Barkley, I think it made him better. I think that draft night experience is only going to make him better, and I loved watching him just fucking go for it. I think I think that that really, now that we're talking about 
about this. I never even had this thought until right now on your show. But I think opening for Burr, you know, I would open for Burr, and I, I got to open for Burr Carnegie Hall and Madison Square Garden, but also all these amazing theaters across Canada and the United States, and having that guy be my best friend and mentor. But I would go out, and there'd be 2,500, 3,800 people there to see Bill, and either me and another comedian or just me, and I'll go, let me give these people a punch in the face, too. Yeah. And it would lift me, because I'm like, because I want to ultimately get here. Yes. And I got the best guy in the game believing in me, thinking I'm funny and putting me here. So let me not only for him, but let me show, yeah. you know, it's, I want to show that for my time, I'm going to make an impact. And I think that that's what happens with people when you're either doubted or you're kind of lower on the thing, on the pole at the time, the totem yeah. pole. I think it's the same thing. So I agree with you 100%. Well, here I am sitting in my living room talking in the phone all by myself again. Just hit some vitamins. Feeling pretty good. Also feeling good about my bets this upcoming weekend. Because I have the greatest app on planet Earth when it comes to being a smart gambler. Yes, the Action Network app is the one-stop shop for your gambling knowledge. It's not really gambling anymore now that I use the Action Network. It's actually investing. Yes, investing in my brain. My brain's getting larger, they say. Because I'm reading articles telling me where the smart money's going, where the dumb money's going, why I should pick what, all the information I could possibly want or need to dominate a sports book near me. Right now, you go to getaction.app forward slash pat, and you can track all of my bets. You can track all of Diggs' bets, and basically, you can become a better better all around. Place your bet at your sports book. Then place your bet into your Action Network app and track it all day. You see the green dot, things are looking good. See the red dot, things aren't looking good at the moment. Find Green Dot City by reading all the incredible articles on there. And also track your bets in fantastic fashion. Also follow how other people are doing. Become a better better with the Action Network. GetAction.app forward slash Pat. Let's make all of the monies this year. Gambling on sports. How'd Bill Burr find you? Because well, you always hear these stories of like Seinfeld sitting in the back or yep. like uh, Jeff Foxworthy sitting in the back of a thing and being like, hey, I think you're really good. I'm going to take you on tour with me. We're going to make a billion dollars. Like that happened with a blue collar comedy tour. Yeah. Jeff Foxworthy was in the back, I guess, with Bill Engvall, Ron White. He found him. I was like, hey, what's going on tour? Larry the Cable Guy. Same thing happens with Seinfeld. I guess he like sees somebody and does the same thing. Is that what happened with Burr? So in, in 05, uh, Burr came in and it was his actually his first weekend of like selling out a comedy club and they came for him. That's and it awesome. was like Opie and Anthony crowds and it was like 400 people and uh, Rascals in Montclair, New Jersey and I was featuring and I went, I went second, I did like 25 minutes and I did really well, I was super nervous it was one of my first big gigs uh, coming up and he goes, hey man were you, were you the other guy on the show? He's like, I didn't see it, I heard it and he was like, you ripped and I go, thanks, he goes, I'm gonna be by the stage on the next one and watch you and then he just tapped me he goes, man, no pressure and I was like, oh man and, uh, <laughs> yeah. hey, no pressure and uh, yeah, and then he watched me and I had a really good set I had a really good weekend and he goes hey man he goes you're really funny man people relate to you blah 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 Let, let's keep in touch and then he referred me to a room in Jersey and I did the room that he referred me to in 07 and I thanked him and I go man it went amazing he goes next time I'm at that room you're gonna open and I told him I said the 2000 Patriots this is how we really this is the first thing that bonded me and Bill he's big Patriots fan yeah but the first thing that but he can't take the, the compliments so 
So, you know, so here's what bonded us. I go, dude, that 2007, I go, the 2007 Patriots, the best offense i ever seen. And I was actually at the game where the Giants tried to stop him from going undefeated in the regular season. And he's like, oh, Fernsey, you know, you it's so you don't know what you, And I'm going, no, they're the best team. Like, this is the best offense i ever seen. And that made him and me have this sports bond. And then it just slowly built from there, you know. That's but, awesome. But the cool thing about Bill was Bill never gave um, false hope. Or, or lied about anybody's set. And you remember saying that um, the lady at the, the uh, Mitzi Shore, rest her soul, she was the person who would pass you at the comedy store. And she would just be like blatantly honest. And she said the worst thing you could do for somebody is give them false hope or like lie. So I remember opening for Bill in like 07, 08, and I'd be like, all right, man, I had a good set. What's he gonna say? And he would just go, uh, hey man, nice job this weekend. Good job, we're gonna work together again. And I'd be like, all right. And then slowly, like after like, uh, maybe around 2010, 2011, he'd be like, man, that bitch you got, that's really, that's really funny. And then it got to the point where like 2013, he was like, dude, watching what you're doing is a beautiful thing. And then I'll never forget, somebody called me up and somebody goes, Bill Burr just called you a beast on his podcast. And I was like, get the fuck out. And, and it was like, because we were just, I mean, he's my son's godfather. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's family to me now. Yeah, yeah. So, but we kind of kept work, the way, but then it started to get to, and then when he wanted to be a part of my special and believed in it like that, it was just kind of surreal. But like, to have that relationship with him, I'm glad that it's that way. I'm glad that it was that way instead of just being the all the good shit. Like, just know, man, you gotta, like, you wanna get good, you gotta work. Yeah. You know, you gotta I work. I love that type of story. I got a chance, obviously, to get drafted to the Colts with Vinatieri. If, oh it, if it wasn't for working with Adam Vinatieri every day, there's no way I would be where I'm at. Right? It's, it's crazy. Watching him work, uh, listening to the feedback, seeing how he handles situations both on and off the field, it taught me more than any class could ever teach me. Eddie and Murphy I assume, with Chris Rock. Yeah, exactly. I feel like all everybody who's ever had a chance to really make it has always been a chance to watch somebody. Yeah. Uh, when your guy is the top of the mountain like Bill Burr, in a world that is involved... Uh, with egos, right? Because yeah. there's a lot of egos in the show business world. A lot of egos, especially with microphones involved. Of course, is Bill Burr just like a humble dude all the time? It's the seems, best. It seems like he really no, is. No, he's the, he's the best. Like that. That's who that guy is. But I will tell you this: it not much, but it also it also puts me under a microscope and hurts me in one sense. And 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 the one sense is that since it's him, people will people will, like I've had people come out to a club and go. I wanted to see what the fuss about you was with Bill to see. And they kind of have that cross arms like, is he funny? Prove it. Exactly. Yeah, and I've yeah. had people come up and say that. So it, it is a little bit more under a microscope. But then like having a, a you know, I had an amazing time in some of the biggest venues like the Garden, all these places. And people are like, oh, you know, I get it. And I understand why he, he says that about you. But you could definitely feel yeah. some people going, oh, that's Burr's guy. Well, let's sit. You know, you could feel it. Yeah. You know, you could definitely, you could definitely I feel met it. Bill Burr. And the first thing I said to him is, uh, Mr. Burr, I'm a massive fan. You would hate me if you ever got to know me, but I love you. And he goes, why would you say that? That was <laughs> See, that's him. He can't, yeah. He goes, why, why would you say that? I'm like, ah, I got a lot of energy. I'm super positive. I just feel like I'd be a guy that you would roast. He was like, but I love what you do. He's like, ah, all right. And he just like walked away. <laughs> I'd be a guy that you would. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I did a, um, that's great. I just changed my Twitter bio uh, a couple, after watching Paper Tiger, I made him chuckle twice in one night. <laughs> and it was, uh, it was a big night for me. I did the intros for Rough and Rowdy. And there was this guy that went to jail, or he was the second of his. He, he rough and rowdy is this amateur boxing. Oh, didn't he? He did like commentary. Yeah, he yeah. was commentary. Yeah, yeah. And I was, yeah, yeah. I was in ring announcing, and this kid was like Sam Smith the second or something like that. Just some slap dick. And I was like, I made an entire introduction about Sam uh, the second, <laughs> the 
second. <laughs> there was one before. Uh, he wasn't worth a fuck. <laughs> and now we have the second. Uh, and, and it's an open mic in an arena, right? So I'm introducing this in a boxing. And all you hear is the cackle build. <laughs> And I was like, oh, my God, what a moment. Can somebody clip that? Can somebody please clip that for me, That's Bill Burr? That's great. Yeah. That's such a funny way to introduce yourself to somebody. Like, hey, it man. actually goes to show how down to earth. Like, You're just like, listen, dude, you ever met me, you'd hate me. But I just, <laughs> like, it, it, it's, such a, it, it's so disarming that it's like, I'm never going to bother you again. So th this, this interaction is over after this. That's exactly what I said That's to so him. Because I am such a fan, and I knew he would absolutely disguise or despise Spies. everything that I was about. I saw a clip of you do stand-up in one of the clubs in Indianapolis, and you told a story that killed. And I was, and I remember going, I, I, I'm hand to God, I, I'm not just saying this because I'm here. I remember being like, like, this guy's got, like, this guy could tell a story. Like, this guy's funny, and you had, like, the presence about you. Sir, I'm being dead I serious. I appreciate that. I do. Yeah. I, I've, now this sounds very arrogant, especially to a stand-up no, comedian. No. I've done, like, 18 shows. 15 of them have been theaters. And every single time I go up there, I have no fucking idea what's about to happen. And then when I come off, it's always like, ah, pretty good. And then, <laughs> then, uh, then whenever I watch guys that are actually good at what they at stand up, I'm like, I should never do that. What I ever did again. But imagine, yeah, but like, imagine you did like ten a week. I don't, I don't know how you guys do it. Like if you did ten a week, or even if you did, let's say you did five professional shows every week for like three months. So you afterwards you'd be like, oh, I'm starting to something's happening. Yeah, but I don't know how you guys do it. I don't know how you deliver the same shit with the same zest multiple times like for me if i tell the story twice on a stage i'm done with it. i'm by the time i did uh i did one tour through indiana it was uh the i-69 tour which is uh an inter great number but also the an interstate that runs through indiana and we just kind of hit four theaters along there and by the fourth night i was like this story sucks like what are these fucking people aren't gonna laugh at this and then while i'm telling the story like a laugh comes and i'm almost at the point where like why the fuck are these people laughing at <laughs> yeah because you get tired that's the thing and that's why that's why it's important for us to you know kind of get stuff out like that's why when uh, when my album was done i was like three months i had nothing when i'll say this was done i i'm like like three four months went by pat and i'm like I'm like, dude, I got, and then what happens is you got to get like the building block. So I look at it like a house and the foundation. So the first piece comes and then you just build up on it that way. But yeah, you, but you got to get rid of it. What sucks is you have to deal with the bombing. So, oh. and a lot of comedians, I, I did my, I did my special at the Terrytown Music Hall and a lot of comedians came out. It's like a thousand seater and it was great. It was a great time, but it went well and it went on Comedy Central. But when I would go into the clubs after that, younger comedians that were there would come in the back of the room to maybe watch. And now I'm like, I can't do that. I'm not doing that because that's done. That so they got to watch me eat shit. And like, and then slowly it'll just trickle out. You'll be like, oh, he's working on shit. Uh, but you're like, yeah, like, uh, oh man, fucking sucks. I watched him. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm trying to do comedy, but I saw Verzi. If that motherfucker's getting money, it's it's it's, and that's all that's in your head while you're doing it. You're going, oh my god, these guys are looking up to me now. Some of these younger guys are looking up to me now because I'm starting to get the steps that they want and and that I worked hard for now. But then they know, and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, that one thing's gonna be something, and then. Fast forward three weeks later, you're like, I want them back in the room now. Watch, so, and then and then it, and then it builds. So that's the Gary Goldman thing. I watched him on Thursday night on his first show, and then I watched him Saturday night on his last show. Really different. He, 
I don't want to say you sound like shit on Thursday, but there was a lot of question marks Thursday. I was like, why is this guy so Gary Goldman? I was like, you know what? I'm going to come back on Saturday. He had just filmed a special, I guess. So on Thursday, in front of an Indianapolis crowd, he was literally just trying to work through things. And by Saturday, he had it figured out. I was like, oh, my God, this yeah. is an entirely different show all of a sudden. Yeah. Comedians' brains are an incredible one. It, it really is. And the fact that you enjoy sports is fascinating to me because um, so much happens in sports that are funny. Right? Yeah. And then there's some situations that are just like uh, completely asinine. For instance, Antonio Brown, <laughs> this guy, uh, it's sad. We're at the point where I think everybody agrees that it's a sad situation, what's happening with Antonio Brown. It's like, golly, man, one of the most gifted athletes of all time, one of the best wide receivers to ever play the game, just can't get out of his own way, it seems like. And at this point, if it, what he has done is he has done officially I hope he gets life in jail right but if any of it's bullshit or whatever and then all the other drama that he's bringing I hope he figures it out it's a sad situation I honestly don't know what to do with it is I was actually talking to a couple of you Burr too and I have a theory I have a theory on it okay I, I think that I think that the what the CT I think something that, I think the yep. hits I honestly because if you watch the progression of because he was like a lot more tame than than Odell when Odell was on the Giants after a he while, was the crazy one he was the one and then I would watch you know the the for me the straw that was the, the end was when Saquon Barkley was calming him down yeah when I saw a rookie having to go up to him on the sidelines and calm down and meltdown I'm going you know what you know what get him to fuck get him out yeah I, you, you guys kind of hated it, Odell at the end right it just got to the point where it was like mental breakdowns it. and crying and yelling and then just it was just it got it got to the point where it was like enough like and then but watching Saquon be the voice of reason to a guy that's been in the league that long and then you and then people like eh, Antonio Brown a little bit I'm going not really I'll take that guy mm -hmm. but after that 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 hit that he took from was that perfect perfect yeah. Yeah. that hit and then I think one other one and I started to notice and as he as it got long I'm going I think I think something man he's lashing out irrationally he's and, he, and the way he talks in interviews now the way he's even talking you're going like doesn't sound the same listen back like it's something i think so and it's sad man it's it really sad. is sad it, to watch too because this is one of our listen when i say our i mean like somebody who's played in the nfl got to the nfl this is one of our premier guys yeah like, for sure antonio brown is a uh what fourth round draft pick i believe or something like that out of uh central michigan, central michigan. Worked his way up to be a stud, like yeah. top receiver in the game, and then now it's just watching everything around him just come crumbling. Out. The thing that worried me was whenever that John Gruden thing happened, the phone call, whatever team he had around him filming everything, they couldn't wait to get that video out. You know, they couldn't yeah. wait to get that that video out. Like, and whenever you're trying, it seems like you are, you almost become a magnetic force to drama whenever you're profiting off of drama so whenever yeah. you're releasing dramatic youtube videos and things that are not great it almost feels like more gets dumped into your life and it's almost like it, it becomes something you can't get rid of or away from and i feel like that's happening in antonio's life the people around him are profiting off of this yeah. drama i think so that at that point it's just like yeah let's hey let's real housewives this thing let's do as much yeah. shit as we possibly can it's like god damn though <laughs> well uh, imagine this imagine being like all right dude the balloon's gonna come down over there i want the camera when the balloon <laughs> comes down I want the can. You're going like, what, what dude? You just got to a new team, and you're worried about landing a hot air balloon <laughs> on the thing, and it's like, and that, yeah. And it, I, I agree with you to have like a have like a team of like a television team there. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's it's, it, it's sad, man. It's it's bad. I don't, I don't know if he's gonna get another job now. Because if, if he would have had at least one person say like, listen, you can go after Big Ben, you can go after Shannon Sharp, you can do any like that's not that big of a deal. You probably shouldn't do it. But if you're taking shots at Kraft, like who the fuck else is gonna come get you now? Yeah, probably don't take shots at the owners. Right. Which by the way, yeah. low hanging fruit there to go after Kraft for that. Yeah, exactly. So I can understand why he took a swing at it. But mm -hmm. at yeah. some point, you would hope somebody in his team is like. 
let's try to make some money. Let's yeah. Let's try to make money from something or somewhat. And I think he's gonna have to disappear for a little bit. I and I, I said this on the radio show. You know how like actors. They go to rehab, whether it's like sex rehab or this rehab. Really, yeah. it's just them disappearing for a couple months so they can come back and say, oh, I, I had a little getaway, a little stay away. Yeah. I think that type of thing has to happen to Antonio. I think he has to like disappear for a little bit and come back on the other side. Do you think midseason, after the investigation, a team will try to pick him up? Or do you think it's going to be a little time? It's been interesting with these NFL investigations. They said they talked to somebody for 10 hours or whatever. And yeah. They said, if we find anything that warrants uh, suspension, we will suspend them. They keep saying, if we find anything. And they just got done with that 10 hours of investigation. So you would think that's the NFL saying, with the first, we weren't able to find anything that's suspendable here. And the next one, there's another one coming. There's a couple of different investigations. If it comes back all clean. There is somebody who's going to have their job on the line who's like... That needs a receiver. That needs a receiver. Yeah. Not just a receiver, by the way. This uh, kid, yeah. He's I mean, unreal. he's fucking the guy, which is what makes this all even more so sad because you're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars this guy could potentially go earn if he just keeps balling out at the level that he does, especially with his fitness level and how hard he works, and every, which is what everybody says. I don't know for sure, but I would assume that somebody will take a swing on him if all the investigations come back clear. If anything pops up, though, anything yeah. at all, he'll be on the Colin Kaepernick list immediately when they're like, well, don't bring him in. It's too much of a distraction. Can I ask you a question? Because you, you asked some questions about comedy. I need to ask you something because I'm fascinated. Everybody always says comedians want to be musicians, right? Comedians want to be musicians and rock stars and rock stars want to be... No. If, if I w didn't want to do this, I'm an athlete guy. Like, the only... I don't get starstruck, but, like, if Jordan came in here, I would shit myself. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like Jordan probably wouldn't talk to you, by the way. I've heard. No, that. you know, I've, I've heard. I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> Probably why I'd shit myself. But no, like you know. Oh, this guy! Oh, I'm such a fan. Don't even say hello. But I guess the question is, because you're on the sidelines, standing there, and you're watching. Yeah. You're watching the Julio Joneses. You're watching these guys. Is it that fast and violent where it's like? If I got hit by, because that's what I think about. I'm just like, if they, they, now they're doing the stat of like he just ran 21 miles an hour, 21.8 mm -hmm. or something. <laughs> this hard man, this guy I never yeah. heard of before, Miko Hardman. <laughs> I had a buddy. I have a buddy at the NFL Players Association, and they did the year Julio Jones and and Vaughn Miller got drafted. They did a party here at Cipriani's, the NFL, and it was the top 10 picks and their families and food and drink and Snoop Dogg did a private concert and like I got me and my wife were there, right? And uh, dude, Marshall. Fuck hit on my wife. That's another story. But anyways, <laughs> okay, how did it end up? No, just he just. I mean, maybe not hit. Maybe that's him saying hi to her. But I didn't like it. <laughs> he probably did it. You know what? I take that back. He didn't hit on her. He said hi. How are you? And I said, how dare this Hall of Famer? How dare this Hall of Famer be hey, nice to my wife? Don't you fucking ask me. <laughs> yeah, I'm like cursing Marshall Falk. Like, what happened? I'm like, ah, I don't know. He complimented her shoes. Yeah, you overrated anyways. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, that's so. That's such a typical guy. Like, you, I think he hit on my wife. Why did he do? No, he didn't do anything. Hey, that's how, that happens at comedy clubs a lot. Yeah. Whenever a couple's come, and if you make the wife laugh or the girl laugh, the guy automatically hates you. Like, yeah, you're not that funny. I've I seen it happen. I had a girl in Pittsburgh put her hand on my stomach and chest and go, we're going to that bar there. And this giant guy is just staring at me in the face. And I'm like, dude, I did nothing. I did nothing. <laughs> hey, that guy's probably Italian, wears affliction, and was ready to knock <laughs> yeah. you the fuck out. That's Pittsburgh. But I touched, I said congratulations at this party, and I touched Vaughn Miller right here. And it literally felt... 
like touching the, the side of the t- it, it, it was yeah. like touching a cinder block it was it was just it was and i'm going like yeah, that guy's gonna run a four five or a four four whatever and be that big and strong yeah. and i'm just thinking like that at what point were you like are you, i'm glad i'm kicking like yeah you- so whenever i kicked in college you kick off in college and whenever you kick off you watch right everything happens in front of you so then I kicked off in the preseason of an NFL game, and you kind of watch, and it was like college speed there. And then the first time I kicked off in a regular season, I kicked off, and I saw these dudes who were trying to provide for their family, trying to make money for a living, oh. trying to do everything. Whenever wow. they were sprinting down, this is back whenever you're allowed a four-man wedge, and there were still wedge busters. Whenever I was jogging down the field, and I just saw a guy that was a teammate of mine just run probably a four-six forty with complete reckless abandoned dive head first <laughs> into four human beings oh and it was just like poop 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 and I was standing on the field there was a real moment of like oh fuck like I should not be on the field right now <laughs> so anytime you saw me during a kickoff I was I removed myself from any potential situation and then you get into the playoffs and the playoffs is just like another gear. So you go from like fourth to fifth gear. Yeah. And then in the Super Bowl, I kicked off the Super Bowl. That is just like you might as well just put that thing on autopilot. People are trying to pop their hamstrings sprinting down the did field. You, did you kick it as hard as you pot? Like, did you? Me? No, I was just trying not to whiff on the fucking Super Bowl. All those flashes. I thought I was going to whiff. I thought my dick was out there for a little bit. <laughs> all these pictures. But for me, I'm just trying to do the same kick, trying to stay calm. But watching these humans just try to make money for their family all crash into each other, that was the moment where I was like, oh, these fucking dudes are next level, man. Because you got guys 250, 260 running yeah, four fours. Crazy. And on special teams, they don't have to be the smartest guys. They don't have to know the, the playbook. They don't have to know the defensive playbook, the offensive playbook, which sometimes holds some freak athletes back. On special teams, it's like see ball, get ball. We had a couple guys that were yeah. straight up killers. I mean, straight up killers. There was this kid from Florida, 4-4 Bulldog, my motherfucking pet, Antonio Morrison. That dude, we he, I don't even know if he knew there was a football field, or football on the football field at some point. He was the guy who was like, hey, we need that dude to get taken out on this return, or everything runs through that guy, and he'd just be like, gotcha, dog. And it would be a kickoff, and that dude, I don't know if the person on the other team knew that 44 was about to come basically decapitate him, but he found out relatively quickly, and it was just on. There was this other kid from oh, Kentucky. Man. That's nuts. This, this kid from Kentucky was like, uh, I forget his name, Andrew, fuck, Grill. He had a big grill in. He was like 255, kind of chubby, kind of had a bad body. Okay. I think everybody didn't think he was disciplined. But, man, you put him on a kickoff team, he was a killer. And it was like in the in the huddle, we had like a, a middle onside kick where I would dribble it to myself. And we called it one night against Houston Texans when there was nobody in front of me, so I got a chance just to retrieve it myself. But when we put it in for another time, for the end of the game, where they thought people could be in front of us, he was the guy that was going to go take out the people that were at the line, and I was going to pick up the ball behind him. As soon as we put it in, it was like first quarter, maybe opening kickoff, he like came over to me, and he had like this look in his eye. He was like, call that dribble dog. I'll go decapitate them fools. And I was like, uh... <laughs> I think uh, I think we're kicking it deep, uh, but I, I want to start a podcast. I like, I like, but that's the guy you want on your side. But those dudes, there used to be some uh, real goons on special teams back before. Whenever there was the the wedge and everything like that, whenever big hits were like almost being like encouraged. Yeah, we had some goons that I was so thankful were on our side. I was like. Phew. I love this kid so much. I think he got a couple of DUIs and stuff. I don't know what he's. How many to. coaches did you play for? Jim Caldwell. 
um, then Chuck Pagano. So okay, just so two. two. Yeah, but I was through my rookie year. We we're almost completely undefeated until we chose to lose to the New York Jets and then the Buffalo Bills. And then we ended up in the Super Bowl playing the Saints. Drew Brees beat us. And then a couple years later, we were almost completely defeated whenever Peyton was out and we were sucking for luck. So I've kind of got a chance to kind of see the entire wave of the whole thing, but only two coaches. Okay, And you played with luck? Oh, yeah. Yeah, to that kid. I thought he was going to have a monster year this year. Do you think he's done? You I think do. he's going to come back? I do. Strictly because he has so much off the field. He's, Does he? He's like, I think he's the number one architect like recruit in the world probably let alone his dad is running the xfl now let alone all the businesses his family's involved in okay he's a super brilliant man i mean he is next level nice guy nice too nice too nice of a guy in my eyes like his rookie because i came straight out of watching peyton manning kind of run the team he was the general manager of the team so if practice wasn't going good like peyton would start over practice if peyton wanted to do this peyton's doing this if peyton wanted you on the field you're on the field wanted you off the field kick right off the fucking field like that was the type of peyton was the gm of the team bill polian obviously a brilliant man was able to draft well but if peyton wanted something it was happening, right? It was like almost direct line to Ursay. Here we go. This is how this is all running. We were on Peyton's team. So it's kind of weird being his friend because you never knew who you're talking to. Like, hey, Peyton, I'm about to go to fucking bong outside. Uh, is he going to laugh or is he going to cut me for that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like you don't really know what you were getting. I think that was kind of a tough thing, which I think a lot of his teammates, yeah. kind of, you never knew who you were talking to because he was that guy, right? Yeah. Great teammate, though. We're That's talking about so a guy cool. that drank beer with people. Good teammate. Luck was just so nice. So, like, if the offensive line sucked, he wouldn't be like, hey, pick it the fuck up. Like, Peyton would be yeah. like, hey, need you to do this. Because if you do this, I'm better. If I'm better, our team's better. Everybody's happier. Andrew was too nice of a guy. He didn't have that in him to be an asshole until later, I think, maybe after I left. I'm not sure. Right. But I think if he would have done that earlier, he's healthier. He's probably yeah. still playing. So almost his niceness is almost what was a, ultimately his Achilles because he wasn't. he didn't force people to be held accountable as much. Hey, I told you this conversation was going to be a good one. Paul Verzi's the man. I'm enjoying it a lot. You know what else I'm enjoying? Learning about this website called DealDash.com. I'm pretty new to it. All right? I'm pretty new to it, but I'm enjoying it. What I've learned is this. There's hundreds of auctions happening every single fucking day at DealDash.com. And I'm talking about auctions for everything. They have everything you could possibly want. It's not a good place for me to be as a guy that, uh, you know, Insta shops when I see something and I want it, I buy it. It's not great. It's how I ended up with a wrestling ring at the house. It's how I ended up with an aquatic vehicle. And it's how I'm ending up spending a lot of money at this DealDash.com. But I'm spending a lot less than I could ever fathom because at DealDash, you get a chance to win these things at very cheap prices. Each auction starts at $0. Each bid that happens on the product raises the price by one cent. The auction clock restarts from 10 seconds every time someone bids. If no new bids are placed before the clock runs out, the last bidder wins. If you're the last bidder and for 10 seconds there's nothing happening, you win no matter what it is. It starts at zero, raises up a penny every time someone bids. I'm getting some good deals on shit. And you will too at DealDash.com. What you have to do is you have to buy bids because the bids there are what are being placed to win the items. And right now, 
You need to get started on your bidding. You need some bids in your account. You obtain bids by purchasing bid packs. Bid packs come in various sizes, such as 200 bids. And bids are on sale this week between $0.12 to $0.15 per bid. Each time you place a bid, one bid is removed from your bid balance. When you run out of bids, you can either buy more bids or use the Buy It Now option to purchase the item at the Buy It Now price and get your bids back from the auction. It's like a challenge. You throw your challenge flag, you get it right, you get the challenge flag back. If you've been bidding with somebody, I bid, you bid, we bid, we bid, I bid, you bid, we bid, I bid, you bid, bang. And you say, you know what? Fuck it. Want to buy it outright? Bang. All those bids come back into your bid bank. I mean, this is just an incredible experience. There's a 90-day money-back guarantee, no questions asked. Some customers are curious about the deals, but just don't enjoy the auction model. That's cool. Unlike many pay-to-participate auctions, you can first try us for free and see if you like it. We don't want to build a business on customers who try us once and then feel free, feel that it's not really for them. That's why we'll always honor a full refund for the first purchase for any or no reason at all within 90 days of purchase. Just ask and you'll get it. No questions asked. That's the deal dash promise. I mean, why wouldn't you try? You're about to get some shit for cheap. It honestly makes no sense. Get in there. Get bidding, get winning, and get cool shit. You're going to love it, just like I do. Right now, you go to DealDash.com and enter code AMERICA and start bidding. Remember, there's a 90-day money-back guarantee and shipping is always free. Don't wait. Start bidding today. DealDash.com, code AMERICA. All right, let's get to it. I feel like this is going to be a regrettable website for me because literally there's just so much awesome shit on here. But... Going to be able to get things at a great deal. And that's what I'm all about. Deal-dash.com, Code America. I feel like those, like, you know, like we were saying, like everyone says Jordan could be an asshole. And it seems like a lot of great athletes have that, like, thing where you're like, yeah, I met him. It was kind of disappointing. Where, like, LeBron seems like a good dad and a nice guy. And it's like, you know. Well, I think to get up there in that rarefied air, it takes a certain amount of selfishness, right? Yeah. Yes. To yes. get up into that rarefied 100%. air, it takes a certain amount of selfishness. You got to look out for you a lot to get up to the top, which, by the way, that, that's across all CEOs, executives. Yep. You're talking about business owners, athletes of all sports. To get to that rarefied air of being the greatest, there takes a little bit of selfishness, I think. And I would assume that LeBron trying to trademark Taco Tuesday is a good evidence of that. But aside from that, he does feel like he's yeah. the most human uh, elite athlete of all time. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that like if you're super nice, even in comedy, they're like, ah, oh, we could, you know, pay him less. We could, yeah. you know, we'll give him a shittier week. You know, it's like you got to be a little bit like as soon as I as soon as I got to a point in comedy where I could say no to gigs, things. Uh, <laughs> I'm missing a production meeting right now as we speak. Yeah. This conversation is too good. Oh, dude, I'm missing an ESPN production meeting. Like, people that are listening know that I'm currently missing a production meeting for Thursday night's game, Navy versus Memphis. Sorry, I know nothing going into that meeting, though. I have no idea what we're supposed to talk about. <laughs> How funny if they'd be like, wait, go to what, what he missed us for. And it's me and you going, Jordan's an asshole. <laughs> Pat got fired from ESPN for shitting on Jordan and talking about Andrew Luck for, two, you know, 20 minutes. No, I, by the way, I've never met Jordan. I have met Scottie Pippen, though. Yeah. And, uh... Is much better golfer than people say. Scotty Pippen hold out on me from like eighty five yards out to fucking make eagle to bury you my golf. No, okay. But I swing. 
the yeah. club. Yeah, yeah, you swing the club. I swing a club. Uh, and I think it's very obvious down in the Bahamas that I'm not great at golf. I got beat by Scottie Pippen in this NBA versus NFL thing. And I just got fucking murdered in the whole thing. But we won. Yeah. I am an undefeated golfer. I am undefeated. I have a championship belt and everything. You, M- me, Aaron Rodgers, and the boys took down the NBA Scottie Pippen, Jerry. He Smith. came to a show. I met him. Aaron Rodgers? Yeah. Good dude. He came to a show. He's a big comedy fan. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He and I could tell he didn't want to. He wanted to keep hanging. He was like, he was cool, man. I love Aaron Rodgers. He's a good friend of the show. Yeah, oh yes. He, yep. he he has a lot. He told me down at that golf tournament. I was like, why don't you ever talk more to anybody? And he was like, well, this guy he, he gets like misquoted a lot. Things get taken out of context. So he said his whole life motto is kill him with indifference. Which is a hell of a fucking in mo- He just doesn't respond to anything. They're like, oh, Aaron Rodgers is the worst brother of all time. No answer. Oh, Aaron Rodgers is the greatest quarterback of all time. No answer. It's just, just always just, whew, just, yeah. Just does his thing. And they I look th- like they're a good team this year. I thanked him. How funny is this? This is how much of a Giants fan I am. He came to a show and I go, hey, dude, can I just say something? I go, I'm a Giants fan. I go, thank you. For, I go, that pass you threw against the Cowboys on the sideline to kick that field goal <laughs> and have that place file out like a funeral. Thank you. And he just goes, yeah. And he goes, yeah, we, we beat him this year, too. <laughs> but just so calm. smooth, by no, the way. No, just calm. Like, like, I was like, you know, he, he was happy that I'm a Giants fan who was happy that he beat my rival, that he was just like, oh, we did it again. Like, that's how great hey, of a guy. Hey, by the way, yeah, we did it for you again this yeah, year. Yeah, by the way, we did it for you again. No, no problem. And, it was just, and he's a very, like, calm demeanor. Yep. You know, then when he speaks, it's always just like very well thought out, but there's zero inflection. It's just he's a dry, dry sense of humor, human, which not a lot of people can get. Yeah. So it can be misunderstood. Yeah, by they people. just think he's a prick. Yeah, exactly. When I, it's complete opposite, actually. right? Like it's yeah. actually the complete opposite. He's got like a good sense of humor, yes. and he's like a goofball in a way, but yes. he just kind of. You know, seems like he seems like he laughs at silly stuff. So, do you know how everybody was burying him and Lafleur for their relationship? Mm-hmm. Everybody was coaching yes, Lafleur. Yes. Everybody was burying him. So, the first time he really spoke about it was on my show. So I was like, "How are you and Coach Lafleur? Everybody's talking about you two hating each other." He's like, "Well, he's taking a bunch of average Joes, and he's really making us believe in ourselves." And he took it to a dodgeball reference for oh Peter Lafleur. Oh yeah, that God. was his answer for this massive. Oh my con- God. Yeah, it was beautiful. It was. I just started crying, laughing. I was like, "Ah, it's fucking brilliant!" Right oh my there. God, that's so great. Yes, it's brilliant like, to know that and to do it like that live. Is- too. he knows everybody wants to hear this answer. To everybody on Earth was just listening in, like, "What the fuck did he say?" He hates that coach, doesn't and I he? love the mustache he did for oh, the, uh, you know, what every was it, Happy, oh, yeah. Happy Gilmore? Yeah. Yeah. My fingers hurt. <laughs> now, yeah, now, now your back's going to hurt. It's just the landscaping <laughs> duty. <laughs> Where can people see you be hilarious at? Oh, man, this uh, this weekend I'm doing uh, four big shows, Gotham Comedy Club, man. One of my favorite clubs to headline, my home my home city. Uh, did it last year. It was a great time. Doing a completely new hour for my special. I'll be there this Friday, September 27th, two shows, and this Saturday, the 28th, two shows. Well, I appreciate you so much for stopping Dude, by. man, you're the best, man. No, you're the yeah, best, I'm glad. I'm glad we got to hang, and you know, <clears throat> I appreciate it, man. Hey, great to meet so you. That's and, Ty. And, uh, Ty's an owner shit. of the Packers. Yes, I am. Are you? That's actually what the mustache is for. Oh, I like it. Yeah, Rodgers, not shaving it until the Packers lose. I so. went to Lambeau. It was on the list. We went to Lambeau against the Lions last year, Monday Night Football. The place is cool, isn't it? it? It was real cool. It was real cool, actually. The Lions at Lambeau? The last Lions year? at Lambeau. Was it last year or the year before? Two years year ago. before. He I called, called the, the game. game last year. 31 nothing. Lions went into Lambeau and stomped a mud hole in the Packers. Wait, was that when <clears throat> Rodgers was hurt? Yeah. yeah oh, second I was play at that game. Second play of the game, concussion. 
Wait, okay, so wait. No, remember when he got to surgery on the collarbone? Yeah, yeah, that's not that one. This one he had a concussion, second play of the game, week 17. Nothing on the line. Okay. But people are saying, arguably, the greatest commentated football game in the history of football. Undefeated since then, by the way. Undefeated. The Lions are undefeated since then. There's a Lions fan in the headset. You just <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's Thanks for on. having me, man. Hey, Paul, you're fucking hilarious, dude. You're the best. Hey, Bill Burr presents good shit, I would imagine. Uh, I got to meet him and shake his hand one time. Feels like that's an accurate thing. Uh, follow him on the social medias, at Paul Verzi, yep. uh, V-I-R-Z-I. You a Paisan? Uh, my mother's Greek. My father's Sicilian. We saw the Greek diplomat land um, at the airport that we landed at. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck they're that, doing. That's great. Yeah, but I want to let you know, we almost got kicked out of our own country. <laughs> you, said that, you said that, like, yeah, but we, uh, you just got so serious. You're like, do we pass a Greek restaurant? <laughs> Our plane landed. <laughs> our plane landed, and there was fifty-five black SUVs with cops and everything. And we're uh, like, "Oh fuck, here we go!" Like, oh, because it's all happening na- like here, r- right like, now. All the, everybody's from everywhere is here. Yeah, so we're filming it, obviously, and we almost got kicked out of our own country for filming the Greek diplomat landing. <laughs> the person was like, "Put the camera down." I was like, "Who gives a fuck? What, uh, what's that guy gonna do? Kick me out of Greece? Like, yeah, what? Yeah, yeah. like uh, they don't like being filmed?" I'm like, "I don't give a fuck. Don't go back to their country." Yeah, that's hilarious. Hey, they're in my country now. Now, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, they deserve it. They're probably doing the Lord's work if I had to guess. Uh, we are not. We are just doing stupidity on a daily basis. We can't thank you enough for listening. Uh, you're the greatest. Hashtag endgame. Hashtag endgame. Uh, send me, Ty Schmidt, and at Paul Verzi something. If you make us laugh, you'll get some free merch. Sound nice. like a good deal? Great. If they make you laugh, get some free merch. You'll just respond by going, ha-ha. Only pick a couple, though. We are a small business. Let's not be giving away all the fucking shirts. Paul. Yeah, everything's ha-ha. You got, Paul, we got 151 <laughs> shirts. Uh, might be the first person that makes Paul laugh. Might be the first 10. We'll see how it goes. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Yeah. I'm out at Brooklyn, now I'm down in Tribeca, right next to the narrow, but I'll be hood forever. I'm the new Sinatra, and since I made it here, I can make it anywhere. Yeah, they love me everywhere. I used to cop in Harlem, all of my Dominicanos right there up on Broadway. Pull me back to that McDonald's, took it to my stash spot, 560 State Street. Catch me in the kitchen like a Simmons whipping pastry. Cruising down A Street, off-white Lexus, driving so slow, but BK is from Texas. Me, I'm out there Bed-Stuy, home of that boy. Biggie. Now I live on Billboard, and I brought my boys with me Say what up to Tata, still sipping my ties Sitting courtside, Knicks and Nets give me high five Nigga, I be spiked out, I could trip a referee Tell by my attitude that I most definitely from With OG at a 
Yankee game Shit, I made the Yankee hat more famous than the Yankee king You should know I bleed blue, but I ain't a crypto But I got a gang of niggas walking with my click though Welcome to the melting pot, corners where we selling rock Africa been by the shit, home of the hip-hop Yellow cap, gypsy cap, dollar cap, holla back For foreigners it ain't fair, they act like they forgot how to end Eight million stories, out there in the naked City is a pity, half of y'all won't make it Me, I got a plug, special ed, I got it made If Jesus paying LeBron, I'm paying Dwayne Wade Three dice, Zelo, three card Marley Labor Day Parade, rest in peace, Bob Marley Statue of Liberty, long live the world trade Long live the king, yo, I'm from the Empire State That's So they could step out of bounds quick The sidelines is blind with casualties Who sip the life casually Then gradually become worse Don't fight the apple eve Caught up in the in crowd Now you're in style And in the winter gets cold In vogue with your skin out City of sin It's a pity on the whim Good girls going bad The city's filled with them Mommy took a bus trip Now she got a bust out Everybody ride her Just like a bus route Hail Mary to the city You're a virgin And Jesus can't save you Life starts when the church in. Came here for school Graduated to the high life Ball players Rap stars Addicted to the limelight Empty in May Got you feeling like a champion The city never sleeps Better slip you an ambient